You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we will be discussing self-esteem and teenagers. So recently, I was at a sporting event watching a bunch of teenagers gathering around, chit-chatting, living it up like teenagers do, and there was a really significant difference between some personalities. There were the gregarious, outspoken, loud, uh, attention-getting teenagers that want everyone in the whole crowd to be staring at them, and then there were the kids that looked like they could just hide in their hoodie sweatshirt, you know, covered up. They wanted to be invisible. You know, and I began to think, isn't it interesting? What What is it that goes on in the teen years that makes these kids have differences in self-esteem? So Dr. Ken, is it more obvious? It seems to be more obvious in teen years. What causes this? Well, it's a common question when parents bring their kids to me is, is Dr. Wilkes, we, we think that he also has low self-esteem. And um, that can come up in uh, both in childhood, but also, you know, in teenagers. I think one of the things that changes is in adolescence, you kind of develop cognitively enough that you have a lot more of a sense of self. So a kid that can be kind of blithely unpopular or whatever, they kind of don't care as much at eight or nine years old, Mm -hmm. but somewhere just before teenage years and certainly by adolescence, certainly like middle school, there's this kind of click of, of how do I come across? How do people seem to see me? And Kids can get very, teenagers can get morbidly self-focused on that. So I think that's one of the big reasons that it comes up rather a lot. And parents are often, like I said, pretty concerned about it. It's often one of the big things that they uh, bring uh, to therapy is that what do we do about a, what seems to be the, our teenagers' low self-esteem? Mm-hmm. So what do we do about that then, Dr. Ken? Well, the interesting thing is that my first thing to point out to parents is that it's not as big a deal as you think, which really surprises parents. So the original idea about focusing on a child or a teenager's self-esteem isn't really that many years old. It was, you know, 30 years ago or so, whatever. We started doing research on self-esteem. Well, the first part of it is kind of obvious. When you have a, uh, a teenager that or anyone that is really down on themselves, really thinks poorly, I can't do this, has low confidence. I think everybody knows that's a problem. You can be, you'll be more likely to be mean to other people, all these things. But then it came more to the issue of, well, what if we work on raising a child or teenager's self-esteem? And the assumption was that really should be a key to all kinds of good functioning. Uh, Mm -hmm. You'll be kinder to others if you have that high self-esteem. I always think it's important to tell parents that that research actually did not work out like we thought. Mm -hmm. So really low self-esteem, obviously a problem. But boy, let's crank that up. Isn't that a good thing? Nope, not necessarily. Research showed kind of disturbing things like, uh, you know, a a pimp in the middle of New York City who has very high self-esteem. But we don't think that's a good thing. You shouldn't be feeling good about you. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's certainly reasonable to be concerned about what seems to be an artificially low self-esteem. But I don't really encourage parents to think too much or, or I guess, believe too much in if we can bring that up, then everything's going to be great. No, you have to do other things besides that 
uh, that will uh, affect self-esteem, but I don't really think it's a good idea to pull that out as this separate and extra worrisome thing. Depression, sure. Isolative anxiety, sure. But she seems to talk really bad about herself. Uh, herself. That's uh, an, an artifact of other things, and just bringing that the idea of bringing that self-image up is all going to be great. It, I, it tend to take the pressure off parents. So what you're saying is over-praising our teenagers won't solve the problem of low self-esteem. Well, even that, that brings up another issue, which is if you do want to help with their self-esteem, when you have a child, then yeah, I think most parents, if anything, almost overdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I think we did with our first child is that if you praise a child, it's obviously important to praise a child for good things, to give them encouragement. But if you give them a whole lot of encouragement for just about anything they do, that begin, it kind of creates a kind of an insecurity even in children. Mm-hmm. But it changes with adolescence because if you tell your, you know, your five-year-old that this is a great drawing, you're a great drawer, you know, your five-year-old is going to kind of light up. Well, you know, you've got teenagers. How does your 13 and 14-year-old do when you go, you're such a good drawer, or, or you're so pretty, or you're so smart? Do they light up with, thanks, I feel great? No. 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 They dismiss you. Yeah. <laughs> they roll their eyes like, oh, come on. You're my mom. You have to say that. And a lot of parents think that's their cue to really pour it on. No, no, we mean it. That creates a weird loop because... In answer to your question, if you want to encourage and increase an adolescent self-esteem, positive feedback uh, from your parents does not isn't really the primary way to do it. Okay, so how can we help our teens to increase their self-esteem? How do what do we do as parents that can help them? I think you start by really asking uh, the teenager, "What is it that you don't like about you?" and really listen. There are some real things that once you've kind of developed this identity that the teenagers become aware of that they really don't like. For example, if you have intrinsic anxiety, you're born with it, you've always been shy, you're not very good with, with other people in a social setting. I've sat with so many teenagers that by the time they're adolescent, certainly by 15 or 16, they can see themselves in a very different way that they didn't realize before. That I really am not good when I'm in a group with people, and I do not like this about me. So you would really want to listen to well, and, and actually ask, what is it you don't like about you? Teenagers, if they really believe you're asking, will rarely just say, oh, I'm just a terrible person. If you really ask, you, you should get some real things about what they don't like. Their appearance, virtually no girl likes her appearance. Mm-hmm. Your social skills your academic, what is it that you don't feel good about? And talk to them more about those specific things and how they, they can uh, come to terms with that and how they kind of see themselves. So I think you start by actually listening, not just throwing out some little kid, good for you, but actually asking, what, why do you say, say that nobody likes you? What, what, do you? what is it about you that you think they don't like? So after you've sincerely asked them, and let's say they've responded and they've answered your question and been specific about what they're struggling with, then what? Well, okay, that's a really good question because the first thing you'll want to do if you've listened is too many parents will then want to start offering solutions Mm -hmm. uh, or even then minimize it by, no, I think everyone likes you. I would take it seriously that you, again, it doesn't mean they're right, but it's a fixed belief. They're too old to just be talked out of it. So once you hear that, then I think it's important to start 
really trying to think about the thing that will build a teenager's self-esteem. And this is critical, is that, well, if just a bunch of praise from parents doesn't do it, what does? And I'm telling you, uh, planned emancipation, the kind of things that we talk about all the time, is actually the primary way to build your teenager's self-esteem. That is, to give them the self-respect of talking to them adult to adult, saying, well, if, if you really don't think you're able to make new friends and people don't like you, what do you think you're going to do with that? What, what, you know, and maybe even throw, without overdoing it, throwing in some stuff you might have struggled with. That, you know, I don't think I felt quite like you did, but I do know that when it came to school, I never felt, you know, something that really lets them know that I'm not going to fix this for you, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty valid thing. So what do you think you're going to do? And then again, always adding to this, you should be increasing freedoms, things that they believe you that every discomfort in their life isn't a problem for mommy and daddy to solve. And so that you have that kind of uh, areas of their life that really do mean something to them, that in this thing, in my friendships, in schooling, my parents say that, hey, that's up to me. That is a, is a huge difference in helping the overall kind of self-image. The thing that parents often do, uh, what's really paradoxical is, my teenager is telling me something you're unhappy about, I gotta pour it on to help them, and in the pouring it on, you've actually not made it worse, but you certainly have helped anything by robbing them of their self-respect of actually asking and talking with them about what what might they do differently and what you know what makes them think this thing is a real issue. Taking it seriously is important. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, when we've talked about planned emancipation and giving them freedoms and watching them maybe flounder a little bit, but then also watching them be successful in things, they gain a sense of confidence that I do have what it takes. My parents think I have what it takes and it gives them a sense of esteem that's a healthy confidence in, in their abilities to handle the situation at hand or yeah. to be able to solve the problem. You have, you have what it takes to figure this out, mm-hmm. not yeah. I'm negating this thing that you're saying is a problem. Mm-hmm. And remembering that these things don't need to be solved overnight. Yes, that's mm-hmm. exactly right. And, and you, as you can tell, you know, what I'm, I think the point is that to take a bad feeling that a teenager has about themselves in this area or that area uh, and just call all that low self-esteem, I just don't think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is, is kind of picking out those aspects of it uh, and really kind of helping to consult with them. That's a whole different thing. In the act of consulting, certainly if something is serious, like I, I really uh, feel like I'm alone and nobody cares about me, that, like you mentioned, Ashley, it doesn't mean that it's on fire. So it, it's something to talk about today. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I get that and leave for another couple of days and then come back later and talk more about it, uh, trying to offer a kind of consulting that is the respect of adult to adult is, is a way of indirectly dealing with what you might call uh, low self-esteem but it's really the specific thing that they feel they're not succeeding in. So I'd like to go back to my initial story of the the sporting event where I saw teens that had this extreme overinflated sense of self. And they were braggarts. They were trying to get all the attention in the room. You know, you have kids that are that way. Um, Is this, should we treat this differently? Well, okay. So to be honest, that kid, if you think of it this way, if you're super confident in yourself, you're not that braggart kid. 
So, you know, I talk to kids that are really struggling, genuinely struggling in their school, but I also talk to kids that are winning. They're in the top tier, the head cheerleader or the, the sort of football star. And I can tell you on their behalf, they're not super confident either. Mm-hmm. There's all, it's the nature of our, uh, the way that we look at ourselves that really, if you have the, the isolated, no confident, quiet kid, and the overly braggadocious and really kind of rude kid, those are really kind of two tails of the same animal. The struggle isn't exactly do you show yourself as in a positive, happy way, or do you seem to be more withdrawing? The issue is, and this is important as Christians, the issue is uh, the painful self-examination of judging yourself. And that will come out in a constant back and forth between pride and shame. And and for Christian parents, that's really the main thing to deal with on a deeper level is each of these things that, again, once you've kind of sorted out what are the things about you that you've really de- determined you don't like, then I think, the it, it, especially for older teenagers, it's tougher for young teenagers to start talking about, have you ever thought about the fact that you are judging you in the first place? Like your own self-judgment seems to be very negative. You know, you get... You got 20 likes on that picture, and of course, social media and girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes me crazy. But <laughs> you got 20 likes. Beautiful. This is so great. And you got the one, maybe your hair back isn't your best look, and you're crushed. Mm-hmm. Right. And really to talk about not just what they're saying about themselves, but what voice is that in you that is deciding that you're great at this and you're terrible at that? And have you ever noticed that voice seems to be really pleased with you for about 10 minutes a month, and then she is all down on you for the rest of that. And and trying to help them to see, it's called metacognition. It's thinking about your thinking. So it's a little tough, but I think you've got to start focusing them on, so who is it in you that keeps telling you that you're stupid? Who is it that keeps saying that nobody likes you? And, and start focusing on that because Christians, as you know, have a very different solution in the world. We do not believe that you need to Talk real good about yourself, not because that's wrong, but it won't work. You can't get enough confidence. And it's so sad to see actors and famous people in our world posting stuff that's all about this constant chanting to themselves about, I am proud of me. I earned this. I feel so sad when I see that, not because, well, you shouldn't think so well of yourself, but because... Sweetie, I know you, and you're just like me. It won't work. You can win an Academy Award today, and tomorrow you'll wonder about that zit on your cheek. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, right. that's the nature of it. And Christians have a very different way of responding to that. Not um, uh, what I think about me, whether it's good or bad, but it is for Christians, we don't believe that we own ourselves anymore. Right. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of the gospel is we've been purchased with a at a great price but that makes us it's not popular language anymore but we are bond servants or slaves to jesus so actually the christian answer is well maybe you aren't pretty do you think jesus is trying to tell you that you're kind of ugly or is he about your thing you know does he say you really need to lose 30 pounds well those are silly of course he doesn't i you know i've told i think i've said before i spent my entire adolescence being quote too short I, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise. It never occurred to me that God himself is going, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot for the comment about my work there. I never said you were too short. Right. It was my voice that said that. But if, if it is something that 
the Spirit tells us is true about us, like you really uh, are guilty of this or that thing, fine. But you really want to start the process, which is lifelong, of that inner voice dying and really listening to the voice of Jesus who starts with, you are mine and Mm -hmm. I love you. And these are the things that I do want you to repent of. These are the things that I don't. That shame does not help you. Uh, and, And it actually keeps us from his grace and all that he offers. Adolescence is the time to start that, but not by going at this from some broad, let's raise their self-esteem, but really get into an adult conversation and begin for them to think about and say out loud, these are the things that I am judging me about, and then move them to the, have you ever thought about the you that judges you is a cruel taskmaster, Mm -hmm. and isn't it easier to eventually be able to give that all over and only respond to how God sees you? Mm-hmm. Right. I think this is great. We started this conversation about teenagers, but I think what Dr. Kenneth told us today applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so maybe as parents, our first step would be self-examining and seeing uh, what voice are we listening to. That's a good to. point. Mm-hmm. I just had the exact same thought. I thought, well, you know, I could listen to this for myself Yeah. and not even think about my teens. I could actually gain quite a bit of this for myself. So thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Dr. Ken, for this conversation. It's been helpful for me, and it's going to be helpful in teaching my teens. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.